Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back for another edition of Believe in Lions. That's B-L-E-A-V. We got tons of training camp news to break down here alongside former Detroit Lions safety, former Houston Texans safety, interception leader of the NFL. It's all pro safety. Glover Quinn. What's up? Not too much, my friend. Just enjoying the last little bits of summer. How about you? Same, man. I mean, you know, it's August, and I'm the type of person that once August get here, and I know for a lot of years I was in training camp starting at the end of July, but I'm kind of, once August get here, it's kind of like work time. It's go time. It's time to get back to school. It's time to get back to in and everything, you know, and to me, the summer is over with once August get here. And so I'm kind of like an August to May, the end of May, like work year. You know what I'm saying? And so some of these kids around here, at least in Mississippi, I know they started school like last week is in the July, July 24th. They start in school. I'm like, what in the world are these people doing? That's wow. way too early. Mentally, too I'm not hot. ready to start school in July. Right. But it's August now. So it's go time and it's work time. So I'm uh, enjoying it, getting ready for uh, everything, man. School, football, everything. Things starts to ramp up come in August. That start of fall really just ramps everything up. You got the school, you got the football, you got all sorts of good things. Training camp. Some people think it's a good thing. Some people think it's a bad thing. However you feel about training camp, it's going on right now, no matter what. And we've got some updates. We finally have updates on the safeties, because unfortunately, last week, there was no Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He didn't practice last week, had the knee. He's back. Brian Branch, the rookie, was slowly brought along as well. Didn't practice in full last week. But now, we've got all three of our top safeties back. Kirby Joseph. Tracy Walker and CJGJ with Brian Branch mixing in with the first team as well. This seems like an extremely deep and talented group of safeties. Have you ever played along any sort of safety room where all four guys could be starters? Um, Bet Online is your number one source for your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember, to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B L E A V. Bet online where the game starts. No, I think three. I think, you know, one couple of years I was in Detroit, it was me and 
Diggs, which would be James Ahedabow, and we might have had Issa, Abdul, Caduce, who could have probably been a starter. He was younger, but he ended up going to Miami and getting a, getting a little deal. And then it was me and Raphael Bush and Tavon Wilson. I don't know who the fourth guy would have been. And then it was me and Quandre, and that was really it. That was that was would have been a starter. So no, I never had a group that deep. Um, and it makes for an interesting training camp because, like you say, I mean Brian Branch was a high draft pick, so you know they want to get him in the fold some type of way if possible. Tracy Walker is a guy that they paid um, to be a guy and he got hurt last year um but he's back but by him not playing last year that opened up things for kirby joseph kirby joseph played well last year and you know generally when you play well one year you kind of buy yourself another year you know yeah you got to come out and train and camp and perform but when you go out and put it on the field on sundays and you put it on tape on sundays that generally buys you a year, right? And then, you know, C.J. Gordon-Johnson, they just paid him. So, you know, from that standpoint, I mean, I don't see them cutting any f- of those four guys. So if you're another guy, a, another guy in the safety room, it's going to be very difficult for you to make the 53 because it's going to be hard for them to carry five safeties. Um. But and I don't see any one of those guys that they would say, "Hey, we're going to cut this guy." They're not going to cut Brian. They're not going to cut CJ. I don't see them cutting Kirby because he was a draft pick for those guys a couple years ago. I don't see them cutting Tracy. But from a money standpoint, if they had to cut somebody, I feel like Tracy would be probably not cut, but traded. Mm-hmm. We need to make a we need we don't need four top safeties. We can make a move with somebody. We can trade Tracy and keep an undrafted guy money wise that that's going to play special teams because Tracy is probably not going to be your special teams ace, right? C.J. Gardner Johnson is not going to be a special teams ace. Kirby Joseph is not going to be a special teams ace. And then, you know, Brian, he could, but he's also a higher round draft pick. So you probably want to get him in on defense some. So he may not be your special teams ace. And that fourth safety needs to probably be your special teams ace. So it'd be interesting to see how that play out. Yeah, I really don't know how it's going to shake out. I know in camp so far, they're rotating the top three guys for the most part. Sometimes it's Kirby and Tracy. Sometimes it's Kirby and CJGJ. And other times it's Tracy and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. But they've also started mixing in Brian Branch with the first team. He's playing a little bit of nickel. He's playing a little bit of safety, which is something Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is also doing. He's playing deep. He's playing in the slot. Tracy's even playing in the slot a little bit. And so we hear all these questions from these beat reporters. Hey, uh, Brian Branch, he's getting first team rest now. What does that mean? And Aaron Glenn is very firm. Hey, guys, look, we're going to be playing with all sorts of different combinations, different starting looks. So, yeah, Brian's getting reps with the first team today, but doesn't mean he's starting. 
yes, this player is working with the third team today. No, it doesn't mean he's a third stringer. It's just how the practice work, reps work out. We just want to see different people in different situations. Is there any truth to that? Or is it really revealing, okay, Malcolm Rodriguez is working with the second team. He's might not be a starter anymore. Or is it just all noise at this point? Well, I think sometimes it's all noise, and I think sometimes it's really legit. And when you have a group like the safeties that's deep like that, everybody can't get first round, I mean, first team reps, especially when you have a bunch of guys that are on the same level, right? The only one that's probably not going with the twos and threes is probably C.J. Gardner-Johnson, right? He's probably rotating. He's probably going with the ones every time. Right. And they're probably Kirby might get in with the ones at some point. Tracy might get in with the ones at some point. Brian, because CJ Gardner Johnson is the guy that they just gave good money to. He's going to be their starter if he's healthy. Right. Everybody else is rotational. You know, if Tracy's playing well and he's back and he's healthy, he's probably going to be in there. If Kirby is playing well and he outplays Tracy, then Kirby's probably going to be in there. And then Brian is just that guy that really has no pressure, just kind of like that. Hey, man, if you're playing well, cool. We'll get you some reps in there. If you're not playing well, then you're going to be a a rotational nickel guy, come in on a few different packages to get you some reps. Um, But then if somebody gets hurt and goes down, then you got those reps and you're ready to go. So um, I think you can look at it like that when you have – when you have a deep position group, if you don't have as deep of a group and then you start seeing, you know, Rodriguez going with the twos and you start looking at, well, who's going with the ones Are those guys even rotating, going with the twos was like, all right, well, unless he does something or somebody goes down, it looked like they see him as a backup linebacker, special teams ace. And if need be, he can come in and be a starter for us if somebody go down. It's a 17-game season. Somebody's going to get hurt. We already know that. And you got to have depth in the NFL. It's unfortunate that not everyone can take reps with the first team every practice, but there just aren't enough reps to go around. It's just the way it works. And another thing I want to ask about the safeties before we get off of this is CJGJ, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He is known as one of the best trash talkers in the NFL, and he's even doing it in practice. Khalif Raymond was shoving him the other day. Khalif Raymond is not someone that gets physical. He's a very nice guy, but after one rep, he just took a big shove at CJ. What do you think about that trash talking in camp? Is it productive? And who is probably the best trash talker you've either played with or against? Well, you know, it, it, it happens. That's his personality. And, you know, it brings a little bit to to practice, you know. I mean, it's training camp. You guys are working. You know, you remember last year when I came back from training camp, you know, I talked about how uh, I didn't like the way the defense was allowing Jamal Williams to you know, score touchdowns in a goal line period. And then he was talking a bunch of noise and things like that. And, but that's his personality. So CJ, that's, that's his personality. So he's the type, he's going to make a play. He's going to talk about it. He's going to, he's going to talk. That's just his personality. That's been his personality throughout his career in the whole league. So, you know, Khalif Raymond, you should know that. So maybe it was just like one of those training camp shoves, not like a fight shove, but it's just kind of like a shove and, you know, you keep going. 
Um, but it's still early in training camp to be having that because you haven't even got to the dog days of training camp yet. Um, but yeah, that's just a part of it. You know, like I said, unless, I mean, if it's not leading to like fights or, you know, dislike or anything like that, then it happens. But, you know, for a trash talk, you know, when I play, I don't really know. I'm trying to think. Because, like I say, I wasn't a trash talker. Um, so people didn't really try to trash talk me because I didn't really talk to people. Like, I didn't talk to the other team. I didn't talk, you know. Who did I play with that was a trash talker? I don't know. I don't really know. Um, Delmas was a trash talker. Delmas would talk. Okay. Um, Delmas would talk. Who? And playing against, like I said, I mean, when I was young, I played against Ocho, and, you know, we see all the video. He didn't really trash talk me. I didn't really hear anything from him, but we were beating him all the time, too. <laughs> um, you know, um, when I got to Detroit, I mean, those guys in Minnesota didn't talk. Chicago didn't talk. We was beating those guys. People don't really talk when they're getting beat. Um, so I don't know. I don't really know. I don't really have any trash talking stories from people that I remember. Cause like I said, I wasn't a trash talker. And most of the time people not talking when they're getting beat or getting hit in the mouth or, you know, and then when I, when I, when I made plays, I didn't really talk smack to the other team. I was just celebrating with my teammates. You let the actions do the speaking instead of the trash talk, do the speaking. I get you. What about Phil Rivers though? I've heard he was nonstop chatting, no matter who you were to everyone. Yeah. Phil Rivers is a, he is a talker. He, he, I will say that he is a talker. <laughs> I remember, I remember it's probably my first or second year in the league and they had the running back Ryan Matthews. Um, Big, big running back. And uh, I was at corner. And Ryan came around the corner in open space. Kind of gave me a little move. Didn't juke me. But I didn't have a lot of base for the tackle because I'm in open field. And so he still formed me. And when he still formed me, Phillip River came up to me. Like after the play. This is after the play. Philip River Philip Rivers runs up to me and like screaming in my face, ooh, ooh. And I got up and I was a little like pissed off about it. And then my first year in Detroit, I picked six Philip Rivers. So <laughs> we'll leave we'll leave it at that. <laughs> my second year. Well, no, it would have been starting my third year. We picked six Philip Rivers, so we'll leave it at that. That's the um, thing. You, you you don't talk back, and then you let the action speak with a pick six. Yeah, yeah, man. So, but yeah, I do remember that. That happened, like I said, I was young in Houston when it happened. Um, I think it would have been my second year, first or second, second. Thank you, my second year, because I was still playing corner. So it had to be my first or second year. And uh, Ryan Matthews gave me a good stiff arm, and Philip Rivers came, got right there in my face too. 
right there in my face. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess Phillip Rivers would probably be the guy that talked the most. And just weird coming from a quarterback, too. Usually the quarterbacks are they're, – they're not quiet guys, but they're not guys that are antagonizing the other team. You see on Netflix's quarterback, you trash talk Patrick Mahomes, and he goes off. You <laughs> you woke up the wrong person, Max Crosby did. So interesting to trash talk the or the quarterback's the tr- biggest trash talker. But it sounds as though we have an undrafted corner, Starling Thomas the fifth, that is taking after C.J. Gardner-Johnson, trash talking up a storm. He's been getting chippy with some of the receivers, including Jamison Williams, who took a swing at him yesterday, the day before. Don't love that. And I know you've got some thoughts on Travis Kelsey throwing punches as well. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I think during training camp, sometimes you can get to that point. I don't necessarily like it because we're just working. As long as nobody's been dirty, doing anything like that what are we what are you throwing punches for you know um but if you look at those two situations it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier Jameson Williams a high draft pick you know secured on the team for the most part Starling Thomas undrafted guy he has to play with a chip on his shoulder he got to go out there and scratch and claw and fight to try to get anything that he can get he's going against Jameson Williams so I don't know if it's a team rep I don't know if it's a one-on-one rep. I don't know if it's seven-on-seven. Whatever it is, Starling Thomas is out there with Jamison Williams. So if Jamison's running with the ones, Starling Thomas was running with the ones. If Jamison Williams is running with the twos and threes, then he's out there with Starling Thomas. And Starling Thomas has to be that way. So if you don't like him being physical, if you don't like him going after the ball, like I said, as long as he's not doing anything dirty where he's you know, potentially hurting you, that's just a part of it, bro. This guy's an undrafted free agent fighting for his life. You a high first-round draft pick. Leave the man alone. Leave the man alone. I don't like seeing high-known, well-known guys taking swings or bullying basically guys that are on the bubble or guys that are fighting for their life just because you're safe and you don't want them to get touched. No, this is football. And so that's kind of what I saw with the Travis Kelsey thing. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, why did Travis Kelsey swing on this dude? I mean, Travis caught a pass and Buddy came over and kind of halfway went for the ball and barely even made contact with you, Travis Kelsey. Barely even made contact with you. Like, what are you swinging on this dude for? Because it's practice, right? So we used to, in practice, it didn't matter if it was a touchdown if it was an 80-yard pass, if it was a two-yard pass, if you had the ball in your hand, running back to the huddle, running, it didn't matter. DBs, we were coming to try to get the ball. So in that situation, Travis catches the ball. He catches a little dig route. Mahomes makes a good throw. And the safety comes over. He barely touches him, but he kind of just goes at the ball a little bit. And you want to throw a punch? Like I said, he would have been fighting me every day because I would have came over with a harder punch. I would have came over with a right-hand punch to try to punch the ball out in the end zone. That's what I would have done. But it would have been every single day. So if you're fighting or throwing punches over that, but I guarantee you, 
you know, and I know Jack Cochran has probably been there a little bit. I think he's a special teams guy for them. Um, but I guarantee if that was their starting safety, and I don't even know who their starting safeties are or who their starting corners are. I don't even know. But I guarantee you if that was a guy with a big name, respected, he wouldn't have done that. Guaranteed. We didn't see any, we didn't see him, and I know it's been a couple of years, but we didn't see him throwing any punches at Tyran Matthew a couple of years ago. Not one. We didn't see him throw a punch at Tyran Matthew. None. When he was a young guy, I think Eric Berry was still there. We didn't see him throw any punches at Eric Berry. What is it now? You couple couple, you know, Super Bowl champion, you know, podcast. Big time, you know, and I got respect for Travis Kelsey. I just didn't like that move. It is, is what it is. But sometimes stuff like that happens, right? You you become this, you know, this podcast guy, just good football player, respected, top tight end in the league, top tight end in, in history in certain categories and things like that. So you do stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? And it's just not cool. I so I didn't like it then. I didn't like it now. And that's just my take on it. And people try to say stuff about me like, bro, this just is what it is. I'm just speaking facts. That would have been me in that practice. or on. We would have fought every single day because I was going after the ball every single day. And I didn't care if you were running back to the huddle. I would come up behind you and punch the ball out. Take care of the ball. So... It's all it's about ball out. security. It's all about ball security. You have stre- you stressed that the entire season last year that, hey, back when I was there, we were constantly trying to get them to fumble, trying to pick it off, trying to get the ball away from them because we wanted to create turnovers. And so now your defense is working and you don't like that. Completely unacceptable. Yeah. And I mean, you look back at those years, you know, 14, 15, like we had a bunch of turnovers. I mean, I know in in – you know, I was in 14, I had the interceptions, right? But you look at 17, I think I had three interceptions, probably four forced fumbles, and a fumble. Like, I probably had close to eight turnovers that year, and that was just me. So you throw in Slade, you throw in Quandra, you throw in, you know, these other guys. I mean, we were getting turnovers. We were getting turnovers, but it started from practice, and we were practicing like that every single day. Every single day. You can ask anybody. Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, Calvin. It didn't matter. Calvin would be running back. He don't hold on to the ball. We punching it out. Every day. Did Calvin ever throw a punch because you knocked the ball out? Never. Didn't think so. Never. Not one time. Not one time. Did you see Calvin Johnson throw a punch at anybody? If somebody made a good play on Calvin, he got up and he told them, hey, that's a good play, bro. He run back to the huddle. He make a good play on you. He going to get up. And in practice, he might not say much. And then again, he might do a little gesture or something like that. But he going to run back to the huddle and do it all over again. He ain't throw a punch not one single time. And I'm talking about we going after the ball. We competing. Not one single time did I see Calvin Johnson throw a punch. Not one. 
yeah, just something to keep in the back of our mind here as this training camp continues to go on. Aggression is great. Sho- th- shoving each other, you know, that happens sometimes. But the punch kind of escalates it to another level. And you, you just don't need it. You don't need to escalate it to that point just because you're unhappy that some guy who hasn't made his name yet is whooping you in practice. Right. And that's really what it comes down to. Some guy who hasn't made a name yet is freaking going too hard. You feel like they're going too hard or whatever it is. And you want to try to punk them or put them in a place. And I just don't think it's cool. And so looking at more of the defense here for the Detroit Lions, we're hearing a lot of reports. Remember last year, it was pretty much all 4-2, 4-2, four defensive linemen, two linebackers, five in the secondary. It's sounding as though they're experimenting with a lot more five-man fronts where they got two defensive tackles, three edges, two linebackers, and then four in the secondary. Now, obviously, that's more of a heavy personnel, and the 4-2 is more of a coverage personnel, but what are your thoughts on playing three edge rushers on the field at the same time instead of three linebackers? You know, that's tough. That's tough. It, that's definitely specific packages for certain things, trying to get certain guys on the field because, you know, I'm not really for, especially in open fields. I mean, I get it in short, short yard situations and you're yeah. trying to do something. Third things, and one, you're trying to stop. Yeah, I, I'm, but that's the thing. Why would I want the edge rushers? True. I want the big guys to try to stop the middle. Um, but sometimes you get in the packages where you want multiple edge rushers. I just don't understand. There's only two edges. So why do I have three guys? One's going up the middle. They're double teaming. They're putting two edge rushes on one side. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but I do know, you know, when you have five linemen out there on the field, that means you have less linebackers or other guys. And if the running back breaks through the line, there's not as many guys to get him down. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of that, especially in the open. But those are probably three of their better defensive linemen, those edge rushers. And you try to find different packages to get all those guys on the field at the same time probably not something that they do often but every now and then if they can catch you off balance they may sprinkle it in and get all those guys on the field to try to make a play and that makes sense you know especially because they haven't repped this a whole lot we didn't see this look at all last year so i understand more why they're putting an emphasis on it in practice but doesn't mean we're gonna see it in a game all the time And we saw last year, too, they had packages where they'd have four edge defenders on the field, but two of them were playing defensive tackle. That's a little bit different. That's just a pure pass rush, whereas we're going half base with our two defensive tackles on the field. Now we're adding another edge rusher, but kind of has to be a heavy formation, right? Because if they've got three wide receivers and you've only got four DBs, you're setting yourself up there for kind of bad things. No question. Very bad things. Because you're going to have to have either. And that could be why they're working those defensive backs at 
uh, working those safeties in the slot as the nickel and things like that. Because, you know, you could get into situations where, say, it's a team that is playing a bunch of 12 personnel, but are they playing 11 personnel? So they got three wide receivers out there, but they run the ball really well because they're tight end. They use them as kind of like a lead blocker, right? And on first down, they go 11 personnel, and you generally go nickel. But now they're running the ball down your throat because you got a smaller defensive back in there, and they got a big slot wide receiver that they use as a tight end. And the tight end, they actually use as a fullback. So they really run in 21 personnel sets. But it looks like 11 personnel, right? So a lot of times you'll go like a big nickel or a big, we used to call it single or it was something like that, where one of those safeties walks down and becomes the nickel. So you can stay in your base defense to, keep your linebackers and linemen on the field to stop the run. But we can also match up with the wide receiver without having to put a linebacker on that wide receiver. Now, instead of us having two safeties back, now we just only have one safety back. So you know you're going to be in some form of cover one, man-to-man, or you're going to be in some form of cover three because you only basically have one deep safety because the other deep safety is walked down on the slot. Um, so that could be something that they do with the potential for Tracy to be in the slot and CJ Gordon Johnson can play in the slot and Brian can play in the slot and Kirby Joseph can play in the slot. So that's something that they can do to combat those early downs of 11 personnel where they really just trying to run the ball. Okay. Okay. So lots of moving parts here for the Detroit Lions defense still don't love the five-man front, even though we've kind of logicked our way through it where, okay, well, it can make sense here and there. Still prefer the 4-2. Am I getting that right? No question. I mean, I'm I'm more of a 4. I I, I mean, 4-2. Yeah, I mean, if you got... 4-3? If you got the, the DBs, I like 3-4. That's just me. I, I like... 3-4. I, I like, you know, give me three guys on the D-line that can that, that'll plug things up and make plays. And give me four linebackers because those guys can run. They can make plays in the pass game. They can make plays in the run game. They're athletic on the field. They rush in the passer. They're getting in coverage. Like, give me four linebackers. And then, you know, when you go into 4-2, that's more of a dime type of defense passing situation because you only got four D linemen and two linebackers. So now you got five linebackers, five defensive backs on the field. So that's going to be your nickel personnel for the most part. Um, so, I mean, everybody has to run nickel at some point. You got to get a fifth defensive back out there, but your base, that can't be your base for two. You're going to be a five, three team. You're going to be a well, five, three. You don't really see that as a base in the NFL. That's more of a high school type middle school. Yeah. They put five D. Ah, yikes. I don't like it. But in, in the league, you're going to see 4-3 or you're going to see, you know, 3-4 for the most part. Yeah, 5-3 sounds like you're facing a triple option offense here. <laughs> and that just doesn't happen in the NFL. Nah. <laughs> nah. 5-3, that's, that's high school. Did you that ever was, have to play 5-3 in high school? We played 5-3 in high school. And were yeah. you safety or corner at that point? 
Uh, probably both. Cause I was freshman. I was uh started out as a linebacker my freshman year and moved out to uh, corner. And then no, I, yeah, started as a linebacker. Might have moved to that corner, and then I went to safety. Yeah, because I was playing corner, and and the coach just felt like, you know, I'm limited to one side of the field as a corner, and they wanted me to be able to get to both sides of the field to affect the game. Show so off they those put, ball hawking skills. So they put me at safety, so I could be in the middle and go both ways. So yeah, I think I went from linebacker out to corner, and then moved to safety. That's and then I really played safety. The rest of the time, but went to JUCO to play corner. It's crazy. <laughs> and then came to the NFL, played corner, played NFL slot, corner, and then moved to safety. <laughs> yeah, and then you were playing some dime linebacker, if I remember correctly, yeah. too. Like he played pretty much every position except for defensive tackle in the NFL. Yeah, for the most part. For the most part. And love that versatility. Hopefully the Lions can take advantage of some of this versatility without sacrificing every, anything in the run game, in the passing game. Hopefully all of these pieces can come together. That is what we are going to be looking for. And speaking of pieces come together, it sounds as though Dan Campbell believes there is one missing piece for this Detroit Lions team. And that is a lion on the sideline. He reached out to the owners of the Detroit Lions saying, hey, can we get a lion on the field? The owners didn't say no, but the NFL said, no, you cannot have a lion, a real-life lion, on the sideline. He asked for that? <laughs> he did. He asked. He, it was a throwaway line in training camp last year, and then he got followed up on in an interview this year. Did you actually push for that? Yeah, I, I asked Martha. Martha had no issue with it, but the, the NFL frowns on it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when they going to have him in a cage? You can't have I don't that thing. Know. You can't have that thing just out. I mean, I'm sure they have something on it, but like, what do you have that's gonna hold a lion? No human is gonna hold a lion if he wants to get loose. He gotta be in a cage. <laughs> he gotta be in a cage. Point blank. Period. <laughs> so he's gonna have to be in a small cage, or how can he be on the field if he's in a massive cage? So now you got this big lion in a small cage. No, no. And you can't just have him out. I don't care how <laughs> trained. I don't care how tamed or trained he is. You can't just have him out. It's a freaking lion. No, no, <laughs> no, no. That's, I'm going to answer that for you. Dan. No. <laughs> so, so I, take it, I take it the players wouldn't uh, love having a lion on the field either. Mm -mm. Nah. <laughs> Nah, that ain't it. Not a lion. <laughs> Not, none of those none of those mascots like that. Real a lion, a bear, a bingle, a jaguar. None of them. None of them. Mm -mm. Yeah, Georgia Bulldogs have it down pretty good where, where it's the bulldog, they sleep in the doghouse. Lions not sleeping during nah. an NFL game. The no. bright lights are not going to make that lion too happy. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. 
Nah, I can't. I can't take a chance with the lion. Cause I mean, if something happened and the bulldog gets mad, like you can contain that bulldog. He's a big. He's the lion gets mad, and who can contain that? They're gonna have somebody that freaking puts him down. That's really what they're gonna have. Somebody on standby with a dart that is ready to put him down. And who would want to see that in the middle of a football game, them having to put down a lion? Nobody wants to see that. So you don't even take that chance. That's why when you look at teams like Colorado, the Buffalo runs out before the game, and they put him away. They put him away. All right? They run the Buffalo out. They put him away. He's not on the sideline dealing with the highs and lows of the crowd. No, he runs out, and they put him away. Would you be okay if the lion ran out and they put him away? No, <laughs> no, no, no. And I, I mean, I, when the Buffalo runs out, I don't think the players are even out there when the Buffalo runs out, but like, I don't think so. I just, like I say, who's going to get on there and, and ride a lion. Who's going to just run right next to a lion. They got him trained like that. I'm not taking that chance. I'm not taking that chance. <laughs> I no. couldn't believe when he doubled down on it. You know, you know, he says it in training camp last year. It's just one of those, ah, oh, that's Dan Campbell being Dan Campbell. Then he gets asked about it, and, you know, he actually followed up with it, and the NFL had to tell him, no, no Lions on the sideline. Yeah. Good job, NFL. Way to save, <laughs> way to save some lives. Oh, goodness. Any final thoughts here about this Lions team as we ramp up the training camp, as we head into the preseason? We've got football tomorrow for the first time in ages. It's not Lions football, but the Hall of Fame game tomorrow, New York Jets versus Cleveland Browns. Obviously, no Aaron Rodgers in the Hall of Fame game, but we've got football coming back. We've got the preseason heating up. Any final thoughts on this Lions team or the NFL in general as we head throughout the summer? Wow. Yes. I didn't even realize it was out the Hall of Fame right. game tomorrow. That's crazy. Um, but man, you know what? Like I say, it's it's August, man. It's it's work time, it's go time, it's go time, it's go time. So I'm excited for training camp. I'm I'm trying to get my flights booked to get out and catch lines training camp again. Ooh, you're I'm gonna a, go? I think I'm gonna go out for the joint practices when they practice against Jacksonville. Cause I got a a guy that, a, a kid that, um, that's from here that's I know grew up. I mean, I watched him grow up through ball. He went to Penn State and he ended up getting drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Parker Washington, the wide receiver. Ooh, he's a player too. He's a dog. Yeah, and so um, Jacksonville is actually playing or uh, practicing against the Lions. And I think it's mid-August, August 15th, something like that. So I think that's a good opportunity to go out and catch some Lions practices, but also catch uh, joint practices against another team. And then also be able to see Parker a little bit too, up close and impersonal. And so I think I'm going to try to make it out for the joint practices. Try to. And hopefully you can make it, and we can't wait to hear about it. Hopefully – the reviews are a little bit more glowing this year when you go to training camp than last year. I'm not blaming you, not blaming you at all. You were so polite. You refused to say negative things, so you just kind of held it in. And then when stuff started going wrong, you're like, yeah, I, I saw that coming. 
Yeah. So hopefully it's I mean, better this time. Hope so. It should be. It should be. I think it yeah. will be. I want to get there. I want to meet, you know, Brian. I want to meet CJ. Um, I want to meet Kirby again. I mean, he was there last year when I went, but I didn't think he was a rookie last year, right? Yep. So I didn't really know him. Didn't really see as much, I guess, in training camp. So it's always interesting to see the year one to year two, two jump, especially from a guy that played and made plays, right? How do they come back in year two? And I don't think it was year one and year two for money, but we saw a guy go from making a lot of plays one year and we saw how he came back. So it's always the test. How do they come back? Do they come back hungry and, and ready to go do it again? Or do they come back feeling like they've made it? So hopefully Kirby is working hard like he's still a rookie. Don't lose the chip. Never lose the chip. You got to keep that chip. You kept that chip your entire career. Whole time. Still gotta got act it. Like- Got to act like even now, still acting like you're a rookie, working it. hard. Still got the chip. Still got the chip. It just is what it is. And I was watching, um, you know, I made my kids watch the Steph Curry uh, documentary show last night, the underrated show, Steph Curry. And, you know, we just talked about it. It was my second time watching. I watched it one night and then I made my kids watch it last night. And it's like, that chip, man, that chip. Most of the time, you know, you got a guy that's been counted out too little, too small, too this, too all these things, all these reasons why he can't play. And to make it to the level that he's made it to as a chip, right? But then I also told him that's one of the reasons why I respect LeBron so much because he's been the t- complete opposite. He's been crowned the king since uh, eighth grader in high school. And he still had that chip to drive, to go out and do it. Most of the people that's been crowned and given and this and that, they don't really have that drive. They just kind of like, you know. And and it had me thinking about something. And I kind of want to keep diving into it. But I was like, there's a difference and being talented and some at something and loving it. You know what I'm saying? Like there's people that are talented at basketball, talented at football, but they don't love it. You know what I'm saying? They just play because they're good. Yep. They play because they're good. They do something because they're good at it, but they don't love it. It's a difference. There's a difference. The ones that love it are generally the ones that are going to keep going. The ones that are just good at it, when it gets hard, when the talent starts to even out and now they're not as good, they don't have the work ethic to push through and get to the other side. So then they stop playing because they're not as good anymore. They were good, but not a talent everybody's good and they're not they don't have the work ethic to do what it takes to remain at the top or separate themselves 
So there's a difference in somebody that's good at something and somebody that loves it. So what are you? Are you just good at your job, but do you really love it? And we see it all the time. We see it all the time where someone who is good at their job, very talented, ends up getting beat out by an undrafted free agent, a no-star walk-on recruit, someone who loves the game and is willing to work at it, work on their flaws, is going to beat raw talent every time, which is what makes LeBron James just so freaking incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does, man. It's it's incredible. I literally, I mean, I love watching these documentaries, man. So if anybody got a cool documentary that's out there, just send it my way. I love I love to hear these stories of these of these players, these people. And it's so funny because I was watching, you know, my eight year old. <laughs> we're watching we're watching the show last night, and my eight year old says, "Hey, Dad, they're gonna make a documentary about you." And I was like. Nah, pretty sure they're not going to make a documentary about me. But it just made me start thinking about, like, I mean, I probably would have a pretty decent documentary. But most guys that make it, or even some of the ones that don't make it, probably could have a decent documentary because everybody has a journey. Everybody has a story. Everybody has things that they went through or didn't go through ways they were raised or not raised or all these different things that led them to be who they are right now. So everybody could probably have a pretty cool documentary if they just recorded it and put it together. So that's why I record and do all this stuff with my kids. Getting ready for the documentary of little Quinny. (laughs) Never know. (laughs) Never know. It's a good way to be it. I'd, I'd watch the Glover Quinn documentary. Absolutely. And even if it's not a documentary, it's just beautiful to look back on all of those memories, even for yourself, even if it's a family documentary that only the family sees beautiful things. So make sure you send Glover your documentaries that you have recommended. Make sure that you are tuning into the future Glover Quinn documentary. That's going to be coming out. It sounds like. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I'll be pushing for it. We'll talk to Believe and see if we can get a uh, a Glover Quinn documentary out there. (laughs) Glover, thank you so much for your time. As always, it is a true pleasure getting to chat with you, getting to soak in some of this knowledge. Any final thoughts? Any parting words? Man, let's get it. Don't really have anything. Put your head down and grind it out. Put your head down, grind it out, and we will see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.